Tonight's Bible reading comes from Matthew 25, verses 31 to 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right, and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and he gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and he gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Sorry about that uh, uh, difficulty in technical difficulties. Uh, we'll just continue. Uh, again, thank you for having me as part of your service. Um, and, and hopefully today will be uh, challenging but also encouraging uh, to you. Uh, a couple of months ago, one of my f- dear friends, and actually I consider him as a mentor, passed away. Uh, he was a man I admire who was a pastor at the local community that I grew up in, in the Philippines, in Cebu. Um, and most likely, he passed away from the Delta variant of COVID. Not only him, but his son as well. And in fact, his other son got COVID, but he survived because he had one jab. And that's just the reality uh, of the world at the moment. You know, so he, they didn't have enough jabs for their community, but his son, his, his son, one son got it, and he survived. Uh, and then after that, I read um, this list of pastors in Asia-Pacific. Baptist pastors, uh, hundreds of pastors who have passed away because of COVID. And as I read these names, I can just imagine that not only the families, but the churches and the communities that grieve during this time. And unfortunately, and fortunately, in the line of work that I'm in, I get to see what's going on around the world. I get to have an insight into what's going on around the world. But at the same time, it can be quite tiring. Uh, it, people, not just me, but people like you maybe, you will be reading the news, you'll be um, watching something, and it's just too much seeing all these things happening in the world. And sometimes you can get compassion fatigue. Anyway, I, I asked God on it, and one of the uh, things that he drew, me back, uh, he, he drew me to was a word that he gave to me last year. And that word is actually a Filipino word, and the word is uh, corona. And that word means crown because of the Spanish influence. And yes, that is the same word that we get coronavirus from because it looks 
like a crown, um, microscopically. But what God, I felt, was challenging me last year and again challenging me this year was what kind of kingship are you following? What kind of kingship is be, are, you being, are you submitting yourself under? Is it this kind of kingship, a virus that makes everyone bow down to it and the fears of it? Or are you submitting to Jesus' kingship, his lordship of love, of goodness, of grace, and compassion? And so as I was thinking about that passage, uh, that, that word, it led me to that passage in Matthew 25. And that kind of apocalyptic parable or, or a revealing parable of, what, of who we are and what we are about. You see, Matthew 25 is um, one of the uh, last moments that Jesus had with his disciples. It's around two days uh, before, he, uh, before the uh, betrayal, before the crucifixion. And so it was a couple of days before that. And Jesus wanted to impart this intimate teaching, this important teaching. He knew that their world is about to be turned, turned upside down. They're about to be squeezed. They're about to be tested in who they are. And so in, the late, in Matthew 24, you get to see bits of it already, um, but you really see it in Matthew 25. Jesus was basically saying, make sure you stay alert in who you are as kingdom people, as people of Jesus. Make sure you're alert. Make sure you're watchful. Make sure that you, you are always ready to act. In the, in the parable of the talents or parable of, of the bags of gold, Jesus was saying, whatever is given to you, make sure you're always ready to use it. Don't just store it away. Make sure you're always ready to use it. The capacity, the gift, whatever it is given to you, make sure you use it. And then in this parable, he then says, you are my righteous ones, my right doing ones, my justice keeping ones. And so what I want to share with you tonight um, are two things. And hopefully, again, it will challenge you, but it will encourage you as well, especially in the partnership that you are doing with Baptist World Aid and our brothers and sisters overseas. And there are two things that I want to share. The first one is as righteous ones, as right-doing ones, as justice-keeping ones, I think Jesus is highlighting for us that his righteous ones stand with those in need. His righteous ones stand with those in need. You see in this parable, as he compares the sheep and the goats, the sheep, his people, his righteous ones, are out there caring for the poor, feeding, clothing, visiting. That is what they're doing. Why? Because they're reflecting their king. Jesus himself in his public ministry, we would see this, that he's always out there trying to reconcile, restore, redeem the people, lost people to himself and to the Father. And every time someone pushed back on that, why are you spending time with the sinners and tax collectors, Jesus? He would always point back to the Father and say, it's because I have the Father's heart, restoring, reconciling, redeeming. And so in this apocalyptic parable, this revealing parable, it's not a surprise that Jesus is now saying that my righteous ones, when I'm looking for them, I, I, I want to see them, that they're standing with those in need, that they are caring, that they don't forget who they are, that they're focused on the mission that God has given them. It's really amazing, the heart of the Father and the heart of Jesus. One of the things that I did last year 
because I have three kids and, you know, you, they can start to feel the anxiety and the fear in the air, especially in that first lockdown. Um, in that first lockdown, you know, if you remember, there was a toilet paper craze. Um, people were hoarding different things. And so they're going, why are we running out of toilet paper, Dad? And it's, uh, but particularly my eldest, he could see he was watching the news, so he, he was starting to feel uh, the anxiety a little bit. And so I had to remind my kids every night. We would pray about it, but also I would tell, especially my eldest son, I would tell him, you know, as a people of God, this is who we are. And I had to point him in, in history, in a, in a pandemic, in a war, in different things, like, like the Spanish flu or the bubonic plague. The Christians are always at the forefront of pioneering, standing with those in need. While everyone is hoarding and trying to be selfish and thinking about themselves, the brothers and sisters of Jesus are always out there. Why? Because they're always ruled by King Jesus, by His love, by His compassion and His grace. Not by fear and anxiety and hoarding and selfishness. And so as I was sharing that to my kids, they were like, oh, okay, that's cool, Dad. And I, I remember in my research, I even got to the first 300 years of the, early, of the church, the early church. And how the early church went from sort of like a handful of people all the way to so many people that it toppled the Roman Empire. And we asked the question, why? Well, I want to suggest two reasons. The first one, the Holy Spirit was doing His work, obviously, right? But the second one is that there were actually two global pandemics that happened during that time. Christian and non-Christian historians talk about it or describe it like it was an Ebola virus. It was highly infectious, and a lot of people were dying from it. Christian and non-Christian historians describe that time as if it was this zombie apocalypse, like people were just dead bodies were being piled everywhere. People, it was describing times where family members, out of fear of their own family member getting the disease, throwing them out of their house. It described people who were praying to the many different gods, but no God is answering. And people were continuing to die, two global pandemics. The rich left, hid themselves up in the country's country areas, but they spoke, this historian spoke of these followers of Jesus, and they stayed. They stayed, they loved, they stood with those in need. It spoke about these followers of Jesus who would care for the sick. They spoke about these followers of Jesus who had a sick neighbor, and they would themselves nurse that neighbor back to health out of that bed only to sometimes occupy that same bed with the disease and even taking their own lives, the disease taking their lives. Some of those people were, were quoted saying that it's a, they considered it a privilege to die like Jesus did, the love for the other, the love for those in need. This is who we are. We are ruled by love, by God's compassion and His grace. We are assured by his kingship in that space. And so in the area that we are shifting towards this year in Cambodia, a, co a country that has less than 1% Christian, in this village that we're going with in northern Cambodia, even less than that. There's no churches in these communities. The only thing they have are the brothers and sisters that are going there. I remember last year I visited a community right next to it, 
So this is year one community. This is year nine community. I visited this community, and I took pastors and leaders with me. I could actually say I traveled overseas last year uh, in February, March to Cambodia. And as we visited that place, they got to see what year nine looks like. One day we were walking through and seeing Angkor Wat, which is these, these magnificent kind of structures, uh, thousand-year-old temples. And I remember later on, the pastor that I took with me, he said, Mavs, you know, these temples are, like, it's, it's, it's awesome. Like, I can't believe they built these temples, and it lasted a thousand years. But, he said, these temples are dead temples, aren't they? They're not being used for anything except tourism thousand years later and then he said how beautiful is it that the people of God are living temples that we because of the Holy Spirit wherever we go they meet they have the opportunity to meet Jesus and so our partners go into communities like that and as they go into communities like that there's no church buildings no official services or even communities but as his brothers and sisters go there and are salt and light there, they, people there get to touch, get to see, get to have an embodiment of who Jesus is. How amazing is that? And so in this year nine community that we got to visit, um, let me introduce you to three who are graduating, people who have been part of the sponsorship program there, and particularly the one on the left, the tallest one there, she, has been, she had been part of it since she was nine or eight years old. And now she is halfway through her teaching degree. She continues to go back to her village because she wants to volunteer as a teacher in the child clubs and youth clubs that they, they've established there. And you know what her dream was when we asked her? She said uh, her dream was to establish more child and youth clubs in their village, that they're not necessarily reliant on Baptist World Aid and our partners there, that they will now continue the work that's going on there. She has now a God-sized vision. And so when lockdown happened last year and continues to happen this year, when all the schools are shut down, guess which teachers are helping educate the community around health concerns, around COVID, continuing the educational curriculum, Guess who they are? It's people like her. They continue to be in that community, facilitating, educating, being salt and light in that space. That is what it's like. We're not dead temples. We're not reliant on a structure necessarily, but the Holy Spirit living in us. So Jesus is looking for his righteous ones to stand with those in need. And secondly, Jesus He's looking for his righteous ones to stand with and for Jesus. You get to this part of the parable, and, and this is such a rich parable. I wish I could spend more time on it, but um, you get to this part of the parable where the righteous ones, and, and the, the goats as well, but the righteous ones were saying, Jesus, we remember taking care of the poor. We remember clothing, feeding, giving them water. We remember visiting. We remember all that. We don't remember seeing you there, Jesus. And then Jesus says something really important. He says, whoever you did it to, the least and the brothers and sisters of mine, he says, you did to me as well. Jesus is identifying with 
the vulnerable and the marginalized. It's not a new thing. He's just continuing what the Old Testament God was doing, aligning with the, orphan, the father to the orphans, widows, the poor, the refugees. God was always concerned about a society and including those on the margins. And so Jesus was just mirroring the Father's heart. And so he wants us to mirror him as well. And so as people were going, oh, I don't remember seeing you there, Jesus. Jesus was saying, no, no, you were just being faithful. You were just being watchful. You were just being ready. You were just being who you were. That's why you were with the vulnerable, the marginalized, and the poor. And obviously the opposite. When the, the goat said, oh, we don't remember seeing you there. Well, you didn't do it. You don't need my eyes. You don't need to see me there. You should have been doing it because that's who you are. But to his righteous ones, it says, that's because you were just being faithful to who you are. And the beautiful thing about that is, is that we have a king who doesn't just sit on some distant throne somewhere issuing out his decrees. The kind of king we have, King Jesus, is someone who got down from his throne, someone who shed his royal robes, as Philippians 2 beautifully describes for us. He humbles himself, to even to the point of being a servant, even to the point of dying, the worst possible way of dying at the time, a traitor's death, being crucified. That's the kind of intense love our king has. Not a king who is distant, but a king, a god who is with us. How beautiful is our King, Jesus. And so, today, as we wrestle with these issues that are happening in the world right now, I remember this, um, <clears throat> this particular quote um, from one of our partners as the Delta variant was ravaging through South Asia. He said, his name is Vijeta, he said, often we feel down, exhausted, and confused. When we hear so many sad news, friends and families who are sick or dying, we are surrounded with bad news and crisis. But our work has to go on. We cannot stop the work of reaching out and giving help. In this pandemic, there are many needs. One of them, and I would say an important one, one of them is hope. And so I would like to share with you my observation, and this is Mob's observation, that there is actually a hopelessness pandemic going on. Beyond what's going on physically in our world right now, if you go to go deeper into it, there is this hopelessness pandemic. It is this space where you feel like God has forgotten your address. It is this space where you feel like no one cares about me. No one actually knows who I am. I am so alone in this. It is this hopelessness pandemic. One of the things that we carry as the people of Jesus, as righteous ones, as right-doing ones, as justice-keeping ones, is hope. Now we know this in Romans 5, one of the passages that are um, quite uh, familiar to many, maybe many of us, if we go to the next slide, <clears throat> we see in Romans 5 that, this is in 3 verses 5, it says this, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance if you push through it. Perseverance or resilience produces character and character hope as you go deeper and deeper and deeper. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. But how can we enter into this rhythmic cycle of pushing beyond our suffering? Where? 
we have verses 1 and 2. For those of you who can't read it, hopefully you can um, go in your own uh, Bibles. Uh, this is a different translation. Go to your preferred one if you want. Um, but this is why we can do that. This is why we can push all the way to hope. Because in verses 1 and 2, it says, By entering through faith into, it, into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with Him, make us fit for Him. Or in NIV, make peace with us. We have it all together with God because of Master Jesus or King Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover that at the same moment that He has already thrown open His doors to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. So why, why can we have hope? Because we can stand in King Jesus and His grace. That gives us strength, no matter what's going on in our world, that we can push through that suffering or that pain that we can push through that and go into perseverance or resilience. We can push through that and get um, to character, building our character, and push through that to hope. Obviously, the opposite is also true, that within the suffering and pain, without any help, it can push you deeper into helplessness. It can push you deeper into your character as someone who nobody cares about, your marred identity, and it keeps pushing and pushing until it goes towards hopelessness. And so as a people of Jesus, someone who is ruled by his kingdom, under this king, we choose this direction, a direction that is built, that's a direction that is built on his grace. And that's why we can stand strongly. I want to close off with this story. Um, again, this was a time where we went to Cambodia last year. I met this man named Meng. Meng was in his 70s. Uh, he was a great, great, passionate guy. He had a, he had a disability. Um, he couldn't really use his right leg, but he was still riding his motorcycle around. He was excited to show us his, his farm. And we were like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll come and see it. He showed us everything that he has been able to build. All these fruits, all these vegetables, the irrigation that he built with his own hands. I remember him telling us before we went and sat down, he said, make sure you visit that school, that school that we just built. I helped, I helped build that school. I built it with my own hands, he kept saying. He kept talking about building with his hands. And we're like, yeah, we'll, we'll make sure we visit it. Anyway, we get <clears throat> to this part over his fish farm where he wanted to share a little bit of his life. You can tell that his tone started to lower and get a little bit somber. He started to talk about how he had a, a really negative life before this, before Baptist World Aid came around 10 years ago. He said he felt like he was quite hopeless, actually. And the reason why he said that was because he was part of the Khmer Rouge Army. For those of you who don't know the Khmer Rouge Army, there were a regime in Cambodia that existed from 75 79 officially, but continued to have some sort of power in northern Cambodia. They basically decimated, wiped out, committed genocide. Millions and millions of people, mass graves have been uncovered because of their atrocities. And the trauma that they caused in that generation continues to be felt 
in this, in this generation, particularly because they targeted the older generation. They wanted to wipe out the older generation. And so all these young people are growing up with no, no grandfathers and no proper role models leading them to the future. And so he said, I was part of that army. He was only in his 20s. He said, he described his, he looked at his hands and he was saying, I use these hands for thuggery, was the word translated. I use these hands for bad things, basically hell on earth. And if you know the story of Cambodia and Khmer Rouge, you'd know it was pretty bad. And then he said, around 10 years ago, Baptist World Aid came, your partner, the partners came, and I started to transform the way I saw myself. He said, I started to transform the way I saw my hands, that he could build things, grow things, create things. He could use his hands to guide his family to the future and the future generations to come. <clears throat> as he was sharing that, it was obviously a touching moment between us and him. And so as I was talking to the partner um, that faithfully continues to go there, I asked, maybe we can pray for him. And then, so we asked, can we pray for him? And then they said, yep, you can, you can. And then so we, I asked one of the pastors to pray, and as he was praying, you could just imagine these tears which is flowing down everyone. I was a leader, so I had to keep, keep it together, you know, uh, and, and, and I could see that the translator was losing it a little bit as well, but she tried to continue to translate what was being prayed over his life. We said amen, and I, we thought that was it. But then he said, can I pray a blessing for you? These people he's never met, these people from Australia, we were the first foreigners in that village. And he said, can I pray a blessing for you? And we were like a bit surprised going, uh, okay, yeah. <clears throat> he put his hands together as he's doing there, in that photo. He puts his hands together and then he stands up and then he prays in Kamai. Now at this point, the translator could no longer translate. I was already bawling into this because in the middle of nowhere, with no buildings or temples there of Jesus, there was the presence of Jesus right there in that moment and in that space. With his white hot faith, he was able to pray a blessing. You see, it's not just about that we stand with those in need. That's already great. And it's already great that Jesus is Lord over this situation and in this space. You see, Jesus is already Lord over all those things. It's not just that. But also that in that context, in that kingdom economy, what happens is the vulnerable and the marginalized are now able to transform in the way they see themselves and stand on their own feet. That's what they're able to do now. And so that's why this story particularly inspires me because this is a child sponsorship village. You might be wondering, why am I talking about men who's 70 years old? Because when you sponsor a child, you're sponsoring the whole village, get access to the help. And so when you sponsor a child, it helps us get programs in there that help people like Meng to understand what farming is all about, understand what it means to transform the way you see yourself and be a contributor to the, your society. This is what we mean by when you sponsor a child, you actually help them raise to become a leader and help the whole village. <clears throat> so I hope <coughs> that you are encouraged by this story. I hope also that you would um, prayerfully consider sponsoring a child today, particularly in this new area. This is year nine, the stories that I just said. But imagine year one, where everyone is skeptical. Um, they, they think that you're just going to come in there. They don't think that you, you'll stay or last that long. 
because that's their experience. Imagine what year one looks like. And so I just encourage you to prayerfully consider what it would mean for you to either sponsor a child or to or add another child um, to, your, to, to the children that you already help and pray for. Please go to the website um, and feel free to reach out to me as well if you want to chat about this more. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are a good God. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God who is with us, a king who is with us, a king who is in and amongst this global pandemic right now, in Nawi and also in Cambodia. We thank you, Lord, that you are already sovereign in this area and that you are already and still doing your work, even though sometimes our physical eyes cannot see it. We pray, Father, that you will give us the faith to see what you are doing and just to join you in what you are doing in this world. This is your mission. We are grateful that we get an opportunity <clears throat> to join you. We pray, Father, that um, for the people around the world right now, we understand, Lord, that we have <clears throat> such our own challenges and struggles here. Um, but we also know, Lord, that there are places like Cambodia, like Nepal, like Uganda, like Afghanistan, where situations are completely dire and seem and feel hopeless. I pray particularly, Lord, for your people in those areas. Help us, Lord, to figure out ways to stand with them in prayer and in support as well. Thank you, Jesus, that you are sovereign over this situation already. Help us and lead us into that kingship and to be ruled by your love, your grace, and your compassion. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please join us as we sing this next song.